Hi, hello, this is a mini-sode. Um, weird thing. <laughs> I am sitting on something I can't identify, okay? So basically, you know that show Unexplained Mysteries? Yeah, this is it. There's been like something that looks kind of like, that kind of looks like pen ink on the sofa where I, you know, have my podcast corner slash studio where you can hear everything that's happening outside because it's right next to the window. I'm nailing it, guys. I'm nailing it. But yeah, I try to clean it up, but it just looks like there's more and more ink coming out of it. And it's like literally coming out of sofa. There's no pen nearby. It didn't come from the ceiling. So it's either coming from a couch or, I don't know, maybe somebody enjoyed it in my house. Maybe they're in a closet, guys. Okay, Jesus. Hi, this is by all means. <laughs> Hi, this is the bad mini-sode. I talk about stuff that should be a mini. So And it's already been like a minute. So yeah, this week... I'm gonna talk about Catcher in the Rye. Just kidding, like, I mean, kinda. Briefly. Basically, it has come to my attention, after listening to about a million true crime cases every fucking week, every day, I'm like, yep, another podcast, great. Let's never tune out to the world of true crime. And then, you know, you kind of spot some patterns. This is why these ministers exist. I actually wanted to call bad ministers storage room, but then nobody does and nobody would get what the hell it means. So yeah, you're stuck with a minister, which is like a common term. So, okay, shut the fuck up and start talking about topic. So, in the world of true crime, there are multiple crimes connected to this particular book called Catcher in the Rye. Have you read it? Was it compulsory for you in school? Yeah, I've read it a few years ago. I did not reread it for the purposes of this research, and that tells you everything. Truly everything you need to know. But yes, there have been multiple murders slash conspiracy theories kind of connected to this book. In some cases, very closely. In others, super loosely. Like, you could really say somebody just trying to prove that this book is behind a crime. So yeah, I'm gonna dive today into a couple of those. And I have pages and pages of this, so uh, let's hope, you know, for a minute, let's hope I can summarize those, right? Right. Just to give you a quick overview... Chapman allegedly had a book in his possession after shooting John Lennon. John Hingley had a book on his coffee table when the police arrested him for the attempted assassination of President Reagan. Robert John Bardo was carrying a copy of Catcher in the Rye, murdered after he shot Rebecca Schaefer. And Lee Harvey Oswald also had a copy on his bookshelf when he shot Kennedy. So this could all, of course, be a complete coincidence and they could just like bad literature, but... Is it? The whole world doesn't think so. There's also bits and pieces of other conspiracy theories that I'm gonna put in here. But yeah, apparently if a crime is committed, you can place your bets that somebody out there is gonna connect it to this motherfucking book. They're gonna be like, oh, they have it on their bookshelf. It's dusty as fuck. It's literally like locked up in their attic. No, mm, this book is solely responsible. So, what is sort of like what you could say a synopsis of a book, right? What the fuck is the blurb? What is it all about? It's about a misfit, so this is how all of these people, well, in the worlds of everybody that investigated these crimes afterwards, they're like, oh, they identify with Holden, the protagonist of the book, because he was a misfit, he didn't fit into the society. I love how everybody forgets the fact that Holden was actually 17 and all of these people committing these crimes were not, should not have been disaffected by this book, but okay. So yeah, it's about a 17-year-old suffering from like anxiety, depression, he just despises the adult world. It's just one of those misfits like nobody understands me, so he starts smoking and drinking. 
And the whole book is kind of him saying like what led him to end up in a mental hospital. And yeah, I mean, I don't actually remember even the book. That's how much impression it left on me. I left it a few years ago, like I read it a few years ago, I completely fucking forgot about it. So yeah, this is according to whatever, some article online. You got a gist, it's super deep and some people took it as self-help. What I was more interested about is the writer of the book, because I was like, whoever writes these kind of things might have had some background in that area, or, you know, might have just been obsessed with those kind of issues, and boy, yep, J.D. Salinger. It is actually said that he took this sort of like as the autobiographical work reflecting his time in the military. So, to describe the era... J.D. Salinger was in the military around Second World War, so... Ever heard of Operation Paperclip? It's a truly interesting thing that I have never heard of, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? He was part of this Operation Paperclip, which basically meant recruiting Nazi people, well, people top of their field, so like scientists, engineers, technicians, all of them who have worked for Hitler including some who have conducted experiments on the Jews in the Nazi camp. So in my favorite word of the day, Auschwitz. Oh, what is that, Maya? You have found a connection with Auschwitz and Nazi Germany in every fucking story. Yep. Yep, yes, I have. You could really say that whatever Catcher in the Rye did for these guys, that's whatever like any book on Auschwitz did to me. They're just gonna be like, yeah, she read way too much on Nazi Germany. <laughs> Someone needs to look into that a bit more. So Operation Paperclip, right? Back on topic. Basically, the US government would sponsor these people who were at the top of their field and who were also Nazis. You know, swastika and all. So, God, you should not be laughing, but man, whoever, like, still has the tattoo of swastika is just different. Anyways, so, yeah. So the government would sponsor them to come to the country and work and start the new lives and just, again, avoid everything, every bad deed that they have done back in Germany. And Salinger was involved in recruiting them and also in interrogating these Nazis. Also, obviously, this was just in an attempt to be, again, better than any other country in the world. You know, prep themselves for First World War or whatever the hell happens along. Then who better to do that than people who have been involved in the Second World War and have been the top of the class. And it was called paperclip because of the paperclips that were attached to the applicants' files. Yep, it's super deep. Every single... (laughs) By the way, every single, like, operation or something that I've read, I was just like, man, Miss Sloan had deeper fucking titles in the movie Miss Sloan, right? Right. Okay, now, let's dive in. I sorted these sort of, I sorted them sort of, in a way of plausibility. So, kind of like, yeah, maybe plausible sounds, sounds like it could be something to, like, yeah, somebody's doing some big time conspiracy theories with this catcher in the right shit. So the first is the murder of John Lennon that happened on December 9th, 1980, when he was walking into his apartment in uh, the building near Central Park. Hey, Central Park, shout out. (laughs) So it was kind of late at night and he got out of his limo and just headed towards the entrance. And on the way, he passed this delusional fan. Remember fangirling? It was big back then. It still is. People should really stop it and consider the decisions they made in their life. So, he has actually given this fan an autograph a couple of hours before this event, and the fan in question was Mark David Chapman. 
So Chapman was not there to, to chit-chat or ask for an extra autograph, nope. He pulled a 38 caliber revolver and just fired four times into Lennon's back because he's a fucking coward. And Lennon would later be pronounced dead at the hospital. Why this is most connected to Catcher in the Rye is because Chapman calmly just sat and was flipping through the book while he waited for the police to come and interrogate him and there are pictures of it online as well. Inside the book, he wrote kind of like, you could call it a dedication, you know, how when it's your friend's birthday and you're like, oh my god, too many, many more. Or if you are me, you make it all about yourself and you're like, thanks for understanding my weirdness, here's to you understanding my fucking self for the next 40 years. And they're like, it's not all about you, my, it's my fucking birthday, can we leave it for one day, goddammit. So yeah, inside the book, Chapman, Chapman, can you pronounce the word? Chapman wrote to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield, this is my statement, super deep, super important, and he signed Holden's name, not his. Genius. While the police is interrogating, he again alluded to Holden, because this is his identity now. So he said, I'm sure the big part of me is Holden Caulfield, who is the main person in the book. The small part of me must be the devil. I hate this guy's quotes, I just don't get it. Now, because Chapman is truly committed, if you're truly committed to a piece of work, then you proceed this to be your whole life, okay? <laughs> so, this is now your defense in court. During his trial, Chapman proceeded to read from the book when he took the stand and addressed the court. So, he just brought it onto that stand. He's like, this is my lifestyle. This is how I convince you who I am. I love when there are people out there obsessed with things, you know, Bible, Twilight, you know. <laughs> Just, I love the ranges that I went from Bible to Twilight in like a split second. So yeah, you might laugh at that, but then consider what book are you obsessed with? What book would you fucking quote in court? Hopefully nothing, but hey. And then, obviously, he was convicted and all that, because John Lennon was a big deal, and he was not. But, yeah. So, in 2016, when he was up for parole, he spoke of his psychotic mind. He defined it that way, and I mean, truly. He told the board that he had a true sociopathic mind, and he wanted to shoot Lennon so that Chapman could be somebody. Again, you're very confused here, sir, like... And even in any interview, he would just talk about his obsession with Catherine Ryan, how he truly believed that he was Holden. He just identified with the book character. We all had those moments. I identified with telenovela stars. <laughs> to the point that I had a notebook where I would write down their fucking names, just to, you know, <laughs> engrave them into my brain. And never forget them, because those were important actors and actresses. You don't understand. I was free. I believed in them. Oh god, I should not make fun with like clear mental health issues here. Clear mental health issues. So that was Chapman. You could see a connection. You could be like, okay, cool. Yeah, the guy was just borderline obsessed with the book. Case number two, similar. Similar. Slight obsession with the book. A bit of a sideline here. So this is the case of Rebecca Schaefer and her stalker. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. She... I... Okay. During this research, let me just say it to my friends and family, especially my family. I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> not that it matters. But, boy, this is one of the prettiest... One of the prettiest humans female humans I have seen in my fucking life. Like, I felt so gutted that this woman has just been killed by this guy that I was just like, but she was so pretty. Like, look at the curls. The curls just turn me on. They just do it for me. Okay, this episode is too revelatory of who I am. Okay, stop having such a blast about Catcher in the Rye. 
So Rebecca Schaefer was an American actress. She was also a model. She was kind of before our time. Well, I don't know how old you are, but sort of kind of my audience is usually between 20 and 30. Yeah, Maya, give them your podcast stats as well. What the fuck? So in 1989, she was living in Los Angeles. You know how like that's kind of the era where the fan mail was a thing? And when people still didn't know that they can ignore fan mail as well, not blaming it on her, she was super fucking nice human for everything she did. But basically, like, people would write to you letters because letters were a thing. And then, you know, she addressed this guy who she supposed was a fan. And she was super polite to him, responded to his letter. His name was Robert John Bardo. He was from Arizona, so far, far away from where Rebecca lived, but obviously because stalkerish mind. After some time, it wasn't enough for him to just live far away and email her from there, so he decided to move to California. And this is when he became, like, actively stalking her. So while she was shooting My Sister Sam, which is where she is most famous from, from what I read, she kind of turned him away when he tried to make contact. And then he went back to Arizona, but could only stay for a month. He had to return. So he went back to her Warner Bros. studios. And this time he came with a knife. And luckily security again turned him away. But the day that I do, the month that I do, the stalker month, like I'm probably not gonna sleep because like stalkers just freak me out. So he goes back to Arizona and he's like, okay, cool, let me forget about her. But then, so she obviously moved on to other roles and she had this role where she had like a sex scene with an actor on screen. So he flew into rage and he was like, yep, I'm going to teach her a lesson, you know, I'm going to punish her. She doesn't know who the fuck you are, like... No, because these were different times. He actually hired a private investigator to find Rebecca's home address and the guy did. And now due to, like, obviously you might think, like, well, the guy clearly had mental health issues, which he did, and he was diagnosed for them. So that meant that he couldn't get a gun. So his brother helped him purchase a gun for himself. Nobody wins. Nobody wins, just stay with me. Nobody wins in any of these stories. And now for the third time, he makes a trip to California. He finds her house. He stalks her neighborhood, talks to neighbors, you know, ensures that Rebecca actually lives there before going up to her door. And when he first came, she was waiting for a script. She was actually to be a cast of Godfather Part 3 when the doorbell rang. And instead of a script, it was like, oh, it's him, great. And he showed her, like, a letter that he has written to her, and she was like, yeah, you know, she was super nice to him, like, yep, yeah, such a nice fan, great, can you now, like, leave my fucking doorstep, how the fuck did you find me? I mean, she didn't say any of that. And he was like, oh my god, he just left, like, so enamored, so like, oh, this is such a great experience, she definitely loves me. So he went to the nearby diner and returned to her flat, like, an hour later. And this time, it was said that, like, she wasn't in the mood, or she just, he just planned to shoot her. Yeah, it was said, like, she wasn't actually in the mood, or probably she was like, oh, fuck's sake, why is he coming back? Why does he actually know where I live? What he described when he came second time around, she opened the door with a cold look on her face, and then he pulled the three five seven handgun out of a paper bag and shot her point-blank in the chest. Can you tell I know too much about the guns? What is, what the hell is three five seven? 357 caliber how how does it have that many calibers it's funny but then there are people owning guns that don't know this shit okay and they just own guns okay so this is something wrong with society jesus okay 
what I find weird, and I don't know why this is not more down the list, but the catcher in the right connection, yeah, this is why we are here. So, he didn't pull out, like, fucking Chapman, he didn't just flick through it. No, he had it in his back pocket, but he tossed it a, f- a few blocks away on top of the roof of another building, and then they found it, they were like, oh yeah, that is his, this is evidence. I mean, evidence? Why even not focusing on the crime scene? What the fuck? Rebecca died 30 minutes after arriving at the hospital. And Pardo actually made it back to his town in Arizona the next day. And he was running through traffic when police found him. He was basically trying to pull a fucking OJ. And well, speaking of OJ, remember remember Marsha Clark, who was the lead prosecutor in his case? When she prosecuted the case against Pardo. And, of course, that meant he got life in prison without the possibility of parole. The good thing that came out of this case was that California passed a law that forbids DMV to give the driver's personal info, which is how the detective found it and found Rebecca. The hottest actress that has ever lived and walked this planet is dead, so who wins? Nobody. Did anybody else find that bit of a stretch in terms of, like, catching the right connection? Because that is literally it. It's not like even he quoted or he was like, yeah, this is my passion, this is my life. This is literally it. It's like, yeah, we don't need a backup. You, you have mental health issues. You're clearly stalking somebody. You could have been prevented multiple times. We don't need a fucking catching the right connection here. But yeah, here we are. Why I put this one before the next, which is JFK, JFK Kennedy. JFK Kennedy. <laughs> JFK. Okay. Stopping dumb. Stopping dumb. It's 8 in the morning. I'm recording this at 8 in the morning. Where is my life? Why I put it before Kennedy? There's a shit ton of conspiracy theories around JFK, including whether this was the guy that actually killed him. November 22nd, 1963. Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested for the crime of the assassination of the president. And after he got arrested, obviously the police just raids his apartment. And they find a copy of the catcher in the rye on his bookcase. Mate, I had it before I sold it. So what, if somebody just raids my apartment, they're like, oh, no, no, no. Let's ignore all of the other books that are there. Let's ignore all the Agatha Christie, all of the shit that all the criminology and crime capturing the right suspicion. And well, that was again pretty much it. The psychologist said that he assessed Oswald when he was a teen and he said like, yeah, the guy kind of had a vivid fantasy life, you know, crazy imagination. And turning these topics of like power and omnipotence, trying to compensate for the present shortcomings, frustrations, misfits, kind of like... Mm, the protagonist to the catcher in the rye. But yeah, that was it again. The guy didn't quote it and say shit. Nope, it was literally on his bookcase with probably other books there, I assume. What the fuck? Okay, this next story I had no clue about. I had no clue that there was another president that was literally killed slash assassinated. But yeah. <laughs> Nor the story behind it. The story behind it is so bizarre. It's like the highest escalation of stalking. Because this guy wasn't just obsessed with capturing the rye. No, 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 no. He had more, a lot more issues going on. So remember the Taxi Driver movie that came out? Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster? Yep. 1976 one. My dad literally watched this for me when I was little as fuck. He was like, yeah, this is totally appropriate for her and her true crime development in life. And this is why even when I take an Uber ride, like I have maps mapped out and just keep checking my fucking phone to see if we are going the direct route. Anyways, not the point. John Hinckley, however, obsessed with this movie. 
And not in a like healthy way, oh, let's have a collection, let's have figures of them. Nope. He obsessed in a way that he moved to Connecticut again. He moved to be close to the actress Jodie Foster. And once he moved, he would like slide poems and notes under her door. He obsessively called her just because obviously this is not how you get someone's attention. This is how you freak them out. He didn't get her attention. So he wanted to devise a plan that would force her to notice him, which is really, really hard if somebody already doesn't know who the fuck you are. This is why mental health is not a fucking joke. Somebody needs to work on healthcare to improve these systems because all of these people could have been prevented. Okay. So among his plans were coming up with ideas about hijacking a plane. D.B. Cooper right here, man. Even committing a suicide in front of her. But he settled. He was like, mm, one idea, the other. But how about we go all the way to the top and I kill a president? For a woman doesn't know I even exist or I'm doing it for her. What is the logic? This is the wildest story, man. What the fuck? So he starts now following President Jimmy Carter everywhere. But because this is a president, he gets arrested in Tennessee. He gets psychiatric treatment, but his mind still, again, he's not cured. He's just thinking about Jody and assassinating the president. And now, you know, the elections, that thing that happens every couple of years, 1981, Ronald Reagan is the new president. He's like, I don't care who the president is. I'm killing it to make a statement. Clearly doesn't give a fuck. So he reversed his obsession, not just to Jody and his mission of killing the president, but he's like, hey, there has been a president assassination, like, a few years ago. JFK, remember that? Lee Harvey Oswald. Let's read up everything that there is to read about this. And just to ensure that, again, this is seen as the act of him doing it for Jody, he wrote her this letter. Over the past seven months, I've left you dozens of poems, letters, and love messages in the faint hope that you could develop an interest in me. Although we talked on the phone a couple of times, I never had the nerve to simply approach you or introduce myself. The reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. Signed, John Hinckley Jr. If you can't imagine yourself, if you don't have enough balls to go and approach a girl, you cannot actually physically imagine yourself dating that girl because she's out of your league. You cannot imagine yourself fucking that girl. Why are you killing a president? What is the point? So what, she's going to be impressed and then fall over you. But you are the problem. You cannot actually have the relationship with that woman. Because she's out of your league. You see her as a celebrity. That's like me and Michael B. Jordan, okay? I see the guy as like super hot human being. But then again, I see him as like some godly creature who is a motherfucking celebrity. So I'm like, yep, yeah, I could never be with this guy. He's too out of my league. Like a hundred notches out of my league. Could never date that guy. So I'm not gonna kill a president for him, though, to get his attention. What the fuck? Okay, God, what is today? I didn't even have coffee. What is life? Okay, so... March 30th, 1981, Hinckley shot Ronald Reagan six times with a 22 caliber as the president was leaving Hilton Hotel in Washington. And then, thank fuck for this laborer, Alfred Antonucci, who was in the crowd and witnessed Hinkley, fired the gun and was able to just knock him to the ground. And actually, they found the person immediately. And you guessed it. A search of his home revealed what? The catcher and the rye on his coffee table. This article said the catcher and the rye. <laughs> and I just had to Google it. I was like, was I pronouncing? Was the whole point of the thing that he was not in the rye? That he was and the Rye, and like, the Rye is like a whole different person that's just named Rye. 
No, it's Catherine the right there, made a mistake. You see, this is why you don't just copy-paste. Of course, he went for the insanity defense because this guy was actually fucking mentally ill and insane, like, an insane and could have been prevented from doing this, from being released. So he was transferred to the psychiatric care. Do you ever do research? This is not an ad, it it kind of sounds like it could be one. Do you ever do research and then like while you're obviously on the call, you know, listening to other podcasts and then you hear of a case and like it appears in your research and you're like, what the actual fuck? Well, this is what happened here because I was listening to Red Handed and the disappearance, the episode on the disappearance of Peter Falconio. Listen to it if you want a deep dive on this case. Basically, you're going loose right now with like the next two or something. And I mean, loose like my skin after (laughs) my fucking flab after quarantine loose, okay? That's how loose we are speaking of. So this is an unsolved case from Australia. Well, two British tourists in Australia. So the whole case, nobody knows if he is alive or dead yet. Basically, he has disappeared, you know, while on a trip with his girlfriend, Joanna Lees, and the whole case is kind of surrounded about her testimony and, like, the evidence that they have found on the scene, because, like, how have they kidnapped him, not her, how have they not seen her hiding in the bushes? Yeah, basically, that's, like, the whole case, kind of. (laughs) Well, there's, like, a deep dive of every single piece of evidence, or, like, every single piece of her testimony, and, you know, how she was not acting the way the public wanted to to end. But, yeah, capturing the right connection is that in the hours leading up to his disappearance, Peter was reading Catcher in the Rye. And it was said that he has been reading it when his soon-to-be killer first spotted him at the gas station. I'm like, why the fuck is this in this article? First of all, he's not a killer. Like, he hasn't been inspired. He couldn't have inspired the person that kidnapped him, possibly, potentially killed him. We don't even know. I don't get it. So yeah, I quite literally included that just because I was listening to this podcast on the case and I was like, what? Catching the rat? What? Okay. Now, for the loosest one of them all and dabbling into conspiracy theories, you know, if you are into this, you would have probably hated if I ended this freaking episode not mentioning this. So here it is for all the conspiracy theories people out there. Manchurian Candidate. There is a well-known theory out there about a catcher in the rye being a trigger for sleeper assassins trained by the CIA's MKUltra mind control program to take out individuals. You know, like Nikita, (laughs) the series, but just like on a governmental level. It's not funny. In this article, they say that this applies most strongly to John Lennon's murder. And there's a claim that the book is the trigger used to wake trained sleeper assassins to something they learned while under mind control. It's like, you know, hypnosis, you snap out of it and then they read you catcher in the rye and you snap out of it. Man, like, choose a better book for fuck's sake. And well, this was developed into a movie, The Manchurian Candidate, where the protagonist is brainwashed and turned into the unaware assassin. And everybody was just like, wait, remember Lee Harvey Oswald that we spoke about like 20 minutes ago? Hey, he said something strange in his interrogation. He referred to himself as a patsy, which is essentially a scapegoat, which essentially means his mind has been brainwashed. Damn, bingo. And everybody points to this because of how smooth that assassination was, of how, like, he killed the president so swiftly, you know, which, how would he have done had he not been a trained assassin that was just, you know, snapping out of it and killing just for the purpose? 
whenever the government wants him to. Okay, this was insanely fun. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, they just give me books <laughs> and I'll find some conspiracy theories about how they were connected to crimes and I'll do it forever and ever. It's like joining my passions over just average books and murder. Okay, cool. You know, on this podcast we discuss why. Why do people kill by all the means necessary? What the fuck switches in the brain? So why did this book inspire so many people to kill? I think you can hear my, <laughs> I think you can hear my alarm in the background. So uh, yeah, let's uh, put this to the end. It's literally like my wake up alarm. But hey, I I I took it before today today. I woke up before you, motherfucker. So, yeah. I put in the script, this is what happens when you actually... <laughs> it's like too lazy to get to this alarm. How long do they go on for before they get switched off automatically? Well, we'll find out today. So this is what happens when you allow people to give you shitty recommendations. You know what I vouch for every single time and every single fucking time. Like, listen, don't let people tell you to read shitty books and then trust them again with recommendations. No. It happens when we overrate something. We overrate a piece of work. We're like, oh my god, this is the best thing on the fucking planet. No, read other books. Expand your fucking horizons. But also, every single people here had some mental health issues. So, let's not lie to ourselves. It wasn't the fault of the book or the writer. It was probably the fault of, yeah, the person recommending it. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Well, the person reading it. And then everybody else who could have prevented it, but didn't. And who let all of these people with mental health issues identify with celebrities? So, what did we learn today? That Maya is too lazy and that that fucking alarm is still going off in the background. No, I will never. I will not get the fuck up. What did we learn today? Number one, treat mental health issues with some seriousness. If you're a therapist, if you're a psychologist, if you're a licensed psychiatrist and somebody comes in with these kind of issues, treat them seriously. If they're stalking a fucking celebrity, treat them seriously. And if you're one of those people who like identifies with celebrities, just think of them as somebody who is really, really out of your league. If they earn like 20 times more than you and they kiss other people on the screen, they, they are not in a relationship with you. They don't have to be faithful to you, okay? Also, you wouldn't know what to do with them. Michael B. Jordan gets bitches, okay? You wouldn't know what to do with him. <laughs> he has had it all. He can have it all. <laughs> it's like, what did I teach you in this podcast? Shoot for the stars, but don't shoot for celebrities because they are out of your league. This was supposed to be Minnesota, Maya. Yet again, yet again, doing it again. Well, I had fun. Did you have fun? Happy Friday. You know, <laughs> have a great weekend now. Treat everything as a conspiracy theory. Or if you took this the completely wrong way, then check for bookshelves for capturing the right, your friends and family, you know. Coming into somebody's house for the first visit, you know what to do. It's like, oh my god, books. Let me just have a quick scan. Let me just have a quick scan. And then you just answer. And then you just ask them about, you know, their celebrity crushes and see if they're healthy or unhealthy. You know, which which range are they diving in? Because maybe there is something more to this book and I'm just not a enough of a conspiracy theorist. Basically, this alarm has been going off now for about like 15 minutes. So do they just not stop? Do they never stop? What if I was dead? Would the alarm still not stop? Wow, well, that is a question for another time. <laughs> For now, I'm gonna escort myself out of here and actually probably get up and switch this fucking alarm clock off. Cause even I have, even I have boundaries. Keep judging other people's book recommendations. Most important advice I will give you, ever. Bye fuckers! Bye!